just a bunch of witty banter. Hey, Papa. Hey, Papa. Hey, Papa. Hey, Papa. Hey, Papa. Holy shit, that felt good. That was a really, yeah, it was very fulfilling. It just came out exactly the way it needed to. Mm-hmm. What's up, everybody? I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. Sitting next to me is Mr. Young Cool Professional himself, Hunter Dorsett. Is that, is that me? That is, of course, yeah. You're a young <laughs> professional now. No, I'll, I'll, I'll admit you to You have that. a CPA. That's, I don't, that's I actually a... don't have a CPA. What? I've passed the CPA tests. There's like a year-long wait. You have to, you have to be under the work of a CPA until you actually get licensed. Oh wow! So your journey actually wasn't finished yeah. With I still thing. have about six more months before I can be completely licensed as a CPA. That's god damn. That's a long process. Still a young professional though. That's cool. <laughs> that's like, I mean, it sucks because I've always wanted to be an apprentice. Because <laughs> when I think apprentice, I think of like blacksmithing. Well, that's the A in CPA. Uh, <laughs> no, no I, was like, the, I was like, oh my god, my mind is blown right now. Well, this is Witty Banter, episode number fifty-five, and you might be thinking, looking down at your phone right now, and you're like, this can't be right, like. A new episode of Witty Banter did not just show up on my downloads just randomly. Oh, know, these guys yanking my chain? This show died ages ago. <laughs> months and months ago. Why am I hearing another one? And that's because we've decided to continue on with the Witty Banter. We were, we're resuscitating the it, effort. It kind of took us a little while to get to this point to be actually sitting behind microphones again and doing the show. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's an exciting feeling for sure. I mean, what got me there, like, we, I would just kind of go back and listen to an episode or two and, like, chuckle because mm-hmm. I'm the funniest guy in the world, obviously. <laughs> and then, like, I would tell you, I'm like, man, remember remember this one thing that we did? And then, like, you would go listen to episodes and, like, you remember this thing that we did? Or, oh, yeah. Oh, I really can't believe we didn't like keep doing conversation pieces or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing you know, we were like, what, going back and forth over text every day talking about how we should do witty banter again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was sort of just the natural way of things. I think once we started, uh, once you kind of figured out what you needed to do with your work stuff and kind of where you were going to be positioned, and then I felt, you know, where I had my working legs underneath me, it was kind of like, okay, now I can kind of sit back and really plan out like how we're going to deal with our spare time and mm-hmm. what we're going to put, you know, our efforts into and this is one that we didn't really want to let go. So, yeah. So, I guess we should go ahead and lay out kind of the plan for this show making a comeback, you know, cuz one of the things that we talked about when we did talk about bringing it back, at least that I mentioned that I truly believe was that I really think this show had some special sauce in it. Okay. Some and rocket I, fuel. Some rocket fuel fuel for sure. And I think a big reason why it didn't maybe grow to the size it could have grown was just because we didn't really try to grow it. Yeah. It was, you know, it was the thing that we did as a hobby and we love to tell people about it. And we tried, we actively try to get people to listen, but mm-hmm. never to the extent that we could have, as far as like actually marketing it with social media or like using tactics and like promotions to get it in front of people. Right. Yeah. Which I think is kind of what we're going to be looking at trying to do. Yeah. Pretty soon here. Yeah. The word that comes to mind in the revived effort, at least like how we want it to be um, when we do kind of launch full fledgedly into it is we just want it to be more professional and we want to we want to have 
promotions and um, not like advertisements, but when or production value that whenever it'll be eye catching, it'll be inviting, it'll be easy to get into and hard to get away from. So, you know, yeah. And ultimately we had a, a pretty good core group of listeners every week. You know, I, I just would, wish we had a number. I, yeah, I know it sucks. <laughs> we could have had one at some point, but I would estimate it to probably around 30 to 35 listens uh, like unique people at every every episode, and which if you is, yeah, and if you are one of those people and you're listening to this episode right now, number fifty five, which is essentially going to be the relaunching point of Witty Banter, then you are a core audience member. You are a fuck ride or die motherfucker with us, yeah. and you are here on the journey. Like we're trying, we're going to try to really reach out with this thing. And you know who knows? I mean, three months from now, we realize that doing it remotely is way too hard and we end up not being able to do it, which would, I don't think that's going to be the case. It would suck. But we right now in our heart of hearts, like we want to, we, we really want to take this seriously again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's something that, you know, we invested two years of our, of ourselves into and um, it was, it became a staple of reality almost, you know, that you yeah. could look forward to that every week. And, um, the fact that we learned so much through it and we got to talk to so many cool people and we actually had cool opportunities that came Mm -hmm. from it. Um, I mean, it just, it goes to show that if you just, if you just dedicate yourself to something and it doesn't have to be anything like, like mind blowing or anything, but if you put yourself into it, which we plan to do even more so if we, if we can get all the logistics down, um, that it can be something special. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate Thank you for listening right now. You're you are the reason why we're doing it. You're a you are one of our fans and the fact that you care enough to listen to this show means a lot to us and we hope to just bring in more people and you when they show up you can show them what's what and you know we'll get them all going. You are the bee's knees and we love you and this is this is what I've been contemplating, okay? All right. If I get an organic Unprompted bit up bit up. Oh my god, I know. I'm gonna buy you dinner. <laughs> okay? First person that does that, Damn. if you get an organic bit up bit boop to me, I'm gonna buy you a dinner. All right. Put the mic down. Throwing the stakes out. There. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah, that's my first promotion. <laughs> well, yeah, it's coming at you. Well, let's talk about the logistics of it real quick. Right now, uh, you're actually in Austin for South by Southwest. Right. We'll talk a little yeah. bit about that in a moment. Not living, but I'm currently. Right. Because, you know, we'll get to where, where we've been also later in the show. But you're here recording right now with me at my house, um, which is, you know, pretty easy, easy setup. But in order to do this show weekly, we're going to have to do it remotely over the internet. Um, And we're still working out how that's going to work and what it's going to look like, Mm -hmm. which is why when this show, uh, it's going to be a weekly show. We're going to pick a day and every day the show is going to come out at a specific time on that day. And you're going to be able to look forward to it Mm -hmm. every week. But for the first um, period of us figuring the logistics out, you might get some points that aren't as consistent as others and at times um we may even run into technical difficulties these are just gonna be the growing pains of us getting to the point we need to be right once that stuff is ironed out though and the recording process is simple and all we have to to worry about is promoting the show and is getting cool guests on here Mm. and the content yeah yeah, finding those opportunities that's when i feel like it's really gonna pick up steam the way it never had before right yeah no i'm Um, excited great so witty banter Always reviews a beer. Yes, sir. And we're bringing that right back. The tradition is not going to die. The beer that we have today is from the Zilker Brewing Company. It's here in Austin, Texas. We actually went to the brewery uh, on my birthday yeah, back it was in dope. December. It was a fun time, right? Yeah. 
They had a they had you could do like flights and all that. They had like um, somebody was cooking like Asian food or something there. Mm-hmm. I remember it was delicious. It was our, a fun time. One of our best friends, Cole Blooded. I hadn't or Cole Blair, I should say. Yeah. We actually I saw him for the first time in like three years when uh, you yeah. know whenever he came down for your birthday. But yeah, the brew was great. We got some flights and some different beers. It was really a it was really a cool place to hang out. Yeah. So we wanted to to bring their beer on the show and and talk about it. Um, this beer in particular that we're drinking is the Marco IPA, and it describes itself as an American IPA, which I can only assume means it's going to be incredibly hoppy. Okay. Um, okay. I've had a chance to pour it up, but why don't you go ahead and talk about the beer? Um, because okay. earlier you were pretty excited about how perfect. Their presentation is flawless. Yeah, let's hear okay. about it. So on this can, you have a, a very colorful, it's like a Mexican shawl is on the bottom half of it, kind of, what, mm-hmm. uh, what you'd imagine. And the description on the back says, equally suited for the boat dock or the dining table, our full-bodied American IPA is rich in color, burnt orange, and flavor, tropical fruit and pine. Texas. And features El Dorado and Simcoe hops, which, again, I, I mean, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but uh, it has three different uh, meters that it's gauging itself by. It has maltiness, hoppiness, and bitterness. Yep. And uh, the maltiness is about halfway up. The hoppiness is maybe about three-fourths of the way up, and bitterness is just above half. So, uh, I mean, I, I liked the presentation because it's all there. I know exactly what to expect. Plus, it has the alcohol by volume, which is 7%. So, yeah. thank you for doing it right. Giving us everything we need. Silker. Yeah, you guys are on point. Now, as you take your first sip and, and try to figure out what you like about it, I want to go ahead and lay out what kind of beer reviews this show does. You know, um, we're not we, – we take a lot of interest in beer, and we've spent a lot of time um, – Drinking it, obviously. Yeah. We've we are got enthusiasts in drinking and uh, yeah. and reviewing. But we've gotten to brew beer, and we got to brew beer with our friend Tyrell, who works at Thirsty Planet. That was an amazing experience we had because we got to take get um, shown every step in the brewing process. And so, our palate is not sophisticated. No, but we have a little bit of an understanding of like how a beer is made, how to discern the flavors. So, what you're gonna get when you get a witty banter review isn't like. When you go to like wineenthusiast.com and you get the fucking lowdown on every flavor profile and note yeah. and how it's made, what you're going to get is sort of just our knee jerk reaction to a single afternoon with the beer coming from people who know more about beer than the average person, I would say. Yeah, I, think, I think that's a, a good way of putting it. I mean, it's just our, our simply our experience with it, uh, both aesthetically and uh, and just the content of the beer itself, and and we yeah we're not professionals, and I know personally <laughs> that my uh, schnoz has zero capabilities, which really uh, hinders my ability to review. But I mean, Chase actually comes from a line of uh, sculpted palettes. A line of sculpted. You've palettes. got a uh, you've got you know TD. If he were on the mic, he'd be able to throw down some notes and hints all over the He's place. He's a walking palette. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. So I just want to like if if you ever get pissed off at the way we review a beer because it's like not in depth enough or email you know, us <laughs> yeah email us one <laughs> wittybandershow at gmail.com we'll we'll take anything um but two like that's not what we're trying to give yeah. you're not going to get something that's super insightful and in fact you may disagree with us and we kind of hope you do because yeah, we'd yeah. rather have the conversation about yeah. it you know we just want to be honest even if we are honestly stupid <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> what do you think about the beer first sip uh so i'm, I'm digging it we we got it we bought it warm uh so it's not as maybe uh, brisk as a lot of the other ones we've opened up 
so, but it's it's nice. It's light. It's uh, it is a burnt orange color. Yes, it's filtered, yeah. so uh, you can see through it. Pretty it's not, well, not very cloudy. Yeah, it's 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 not completely filtered, like completely see through, but y- you can see through it. Um, gave us a nice nice head whenever on the pour, and um, yeah, I guess it's like a little. It's light, and it's not too bitter. And I guess I get some fruity notes, which is what they said on the on the back. So it's it's definitely good. I I told Chase, he was like, "What kind of beer are you thinking?" And I said, "Since it's like almost March twenty first, yeah, let's get a March Equinox beer, something that uh, embodies the coming of spring." So <laughs> uh, this I think this actually does a pretty good job of of that exactly. Sure, I you know when I see seven ABV, um, that's always that tipping point between like this is a pretty alcoholic beer, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And great, ours is already warm. And when uh, when your IPAs get warmer, that's when that bitterness really like opens up and sticks with you. Yeah. This one though is way more drinkable than I expected. Yeah. Like, uh, it feels uh, just the mouthfeel feels lighter than a seven percent beer would. Uh, what I what I would think it would feel. Yeah, it doesn't hang around very much. And when I drink it, I smell more of the fruity hops, and I taste more of the uh, piney. Okay. Uh, aspect, and they, it almost leaves my tongue feeling like sticky or furry almost like a like what a tannic wine would do to you okay so yeah. it's got it's got something like i guess it's just the oils or something from the hops but it does have a good character yeah you know? yeah 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 but it, yeah it is light and uh it's it's it is sessionable seeming indeed indeed yes all right before we get into the news you came up for this weekend to hang out i got a couple days off from work mm-hmm. um to coincide with South by Southwest, and we had a pretty damn good time last night. Yeah, it was you a it was take a us wild through night. A little bit what happened. So uh, Chase went to the gaming convention yesterday while I was I was doing a band practice, and then I came back and took a well deserved nap. Yeah, disco nap. Yeah, and uh, but then after I went to Rainy Street where you were with with Darian, and uh, y'all were just hanging out with I guess a group of of Darian's working. Uh, companions, yeah, and um, working companions. Yeah, it was a posse of of <laughs> work related people, a plethora of work people. <laughs> and so we met up at this place called Nova, and we had an amazing dinner. And it was on like Rainy family Street, style, where we just got like seventeen appetizers. Every, yeah, it was. We were just picking out. Man. Yeah, more than enough. And, and this uh, is the first time I've really because we were with uh, Darian's work friends. And they're all like, co- you know, you got to drink cocktails when you're. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So this is the first time I really had like a cocktail with dinner mm-hmm. throughout the whole dinner. Right. Like, yeah. How, what do you think about that? It was cool. I mean, <laughs> I felt it was it was weird because I wanted to just order a beer, and Darian was like, Hunter, no. Yeah, I was like, I was like, not gonna do that. I'm like, what's wrong? (laughs) I'm a beer guy, Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was was enjoyable. I think I liked the. um, We went to a place called the Roosevelt Room, and we had some cocktails there that were a little lighter, and they didn't weren't as like syrupy, Mm -hmm. and uh, didn't have as much sort of like they're just bright. Yeah, didn't have as much like alcoholic kick or anything, Uh, and that's kind of what I shoot for. I, I guess the more the more I'm just blatantly tasting alcohol, then the less I usually like the cocktail Unless you're feeling it and i also don't really like really sugary drinks so um it's kind of hard to do that i guess to have yeah. either of those things satisfied so we had this like epic fucking meal yeah with and we we're in a big leather booth with a lot of people who are all a lot of fun yeah i just felt yeah it just felt, it was family felt, time yeah, it yeah. was like i felt like a socialite you yeah. know <laughs> <It felt real laughs> cool. then we went to the roosevelt room which is just has 
it's just nothing but amazing cocktails there because, mm-hmm. of course, with the cocktail people. And everyone's just ha- enjoying themselves even more and more, having a good time. And next thing you know, it's, hey, we should go to karaoke. Yeah. And that's when we end up at Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, again, I had been doing band practice, so my voice was already kind of shot. Nonetheless, I still put down probably, I don't know, five or six songs. Dude, I think every single, I, I only sang like two or three, but I think our group as a whole must have sung like 15 to 20 songs. Oh, at least, yeah, 80% of, in, 80% of what we, was So we had like us. a group of like eight people, and one of our friends who was there <laughs> who we just met, met named Justin ordered just like consistently <laughs> was ordering Sapporo shots and pot stickers. Yeah, we had it probably was, like Dude, I felt like I was at a feast. You yeah, know? like eight trays of pot stickers. It was crazy. <laughs> and we just there was so much energy in that place because of our group that all of the bartenders and uh, the guy who was running karaoke was like, You guys, are you from here? Like yeah. you have to come back. We're open <laughs> on these days and this is awesome. Yeah, we were hamming it up, man. It was great. Okay. Um well, I guess it's time to get right into it, man. Are you are you are you sure, Chase? I'm ready for it. Are I'm, you ready for it? I'm dive ready. I'm not just ready. <laughs> I'm ready, Freddy. This is Woody Banter. <laughs> now, how'd that feel? Uh, better than ever. Like a goddamn glove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got four pieces of news for us today. Now, Woody Banter always had a new segment. Okay. When we first started. We would do like 12 pieces of quick news, <laughs> yeah, which would turn into like 45 minutes of stuff. Uh-huh. Then we condensed it down to like six, uh-huh. um, and now we would kind of hang around four, you know? Yeah, more the, conversation peachy. You know? Exactly. You can really chew on those. Yeah. The new segment's going to stay, I think, as fluid as it has been. Um, now, when it comes to like what we choose to put on the news, what kind of, how would you describe Woody Banter's sort of audience for you know like what do we talk about when we, when we do get into the news here well i think it pertains to our interests as individuals right i mean i know that um chase is personally interested in the realm of video games and entertainment and technology all those things um i'm also i mean at times we'll be tempted to bring up current events that are sort of maybe one-offs just because something in the news was particularly interesting say maybe something in sports yeah really crazy happened and we're not going to shy away from it just because it's not in that realm or whatever you know we're gonna buck right up to it It really i think it just comes down to kind of what we want to talk about and if it seems like it's relatable to people that are similar to us and that would be interested in it and hopefully something we can learn from yeah definitely i mean i think we always kind of hung towards the video game industry excuse me the tech industry and then also like even future tech oh yeah you know know i'm a i'm a futurist man we kept that shit on the horizon always like we talk about autonomous cars a lot on this podcast yeah 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 you know we started to finally have some staples of things that we would check in on and things like that i kind of want to keep those in there um tesla tesla yeah you're gonna have them thirty five thousand dollar model oh yeah pretty soon oh yeah okay so the first one i want to start with um when we actually, when I was back listening to old episodes, we talked about when Sony revealed Project Morpheus, which was the code name for their virtual reality headset. Right. Here we are in 2016, and just last week they announced the release window and the price for the PlayStation VR. Ooh, okay. And so this is the year that virtual reality is hitting the commercial market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the HTC Vive, which is going to be an 890, no, maybe it's, I think it's a $799 price tag. Is HTC a company? Yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't yeah. know if that was like a product. I think they make they make phones and stuff, okay. right? Yeah. 
And then you've got the Oculus Rift, which is going to be $600. Okay. And you need, like, a fucking badass computer for both of these. So okay. it's not like you just buy it and you get to turn it on. Okay. So that brings us to the price point of the PlayStation VR. Because a lot of people were pretty skeptical. They were like, we. a lot of people were pretty optimistic about the price of this thing. Uh-huh. And I think once these bigger price tags came out, it was like, we might just be totally off on this. Yeah, and like, this might be something it. that is very expensive. Yeah. Um, the PlayStation itself is 399 Okay. And if you're, you know, the thing is like if if this piece of hardware that needs the PlayStation is more than the PlayStation, then, that, then you're really buying that's it. That's a hard sell. Yeah, it's like the PlayStation is the side tray, yeah, or the side dish. Totally. So that le- that brings us to the price tag. They announced the price is going to be 399. For for the VR? For the core VR headset. Okay. So if you want just the virtual reality headset, it's going to be $399. Okay. And that is the price of the console. They matched it. Okay, I actually thought it would be. I would have guessed two ninety nine. Yeah, and I think, and that was kind of where a lot of the optimism was. Where it was like, God, you know, like two ninety nine is a lot of money. Like yeah, yeah. Three ninety nine, yeah. holy shit! And then these other ones come out that are like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there is the three hundred ninety nine dollars set, uh, which is just going to give you all of the cables you need for the for the headset and the headset itself. Okay. But what you do need to play a majority of these what you need for every game what it says is required to use one is the PlayStation camera it's like the PlayStation eye oh so, which is more right i mean which is more so okay. if you if you don't have that you can buy this other uh, bundle which is 499 so then it becomes $500 yeah and the thing is is a lot of people don't i think 85% of PlayStation 4 owners um, do not have the eye so you're oh, looking yeah, at yeah. basically a $500 thing. Wow. Yep. It's almost goes I mean it's reminiscent of when when uh Microsoft you know tried to make people have the Connect in mm-hmm. their bundle and then it, that kind of fell on his face cuz nobody like so many people didn't need or want it. Yeah. But now if people are going to be able to do this with VR want to be able to do VR then like they have to have to go get this again yep. which is a barrier to entry, you know. Definitely. I mean, yeah. it's a fucking 599 ticket plus the cost of a game. Yeah, that's a lot. You know. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think that's a little high of a price point, and I think that's going to be a, a a tough sell on a lot of. Uh, well, we get to. See, I mean, early adopters won't give a shit. Say, you know, we I get mean, to see. This is the early adoption phase, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, that's a lot of money, even for like I know there's people out there who have an early adopter mindset, even like myself, where I'm like I'm I'm not gonna buy that at launch. Like mm-hmm. I want the PlayStation VR. I think it's incredible, but we haven't really seen a proof of concept game yet. That's like kind of, like that's actually a game. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah. You see a lot of demos, kind of, or you see kind of like. Exp- why is that? I mean, why can't we put out? Why why can't they put out what se- what seemingly would be a full VR game like dude this is this is a new space in video games like yeah. if you really think about it this and this is how um a lot of C- like the CEO not CEO but um Shuhei Yoshida who is like a big guy in Sony what he's talked about like this is could be a paradigm shift in how games are played yeah and when you really think about it the last shift we had in gaming was the move to 3D you know, huh. we had like 2D games that were side scrollers or top downs or whatever. Right. And then when the Nintendo 64 and the PlayStation 1 come out came out, that was the first time that we had 3D worlds. And that fundamentally changed how we played video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really hasn't happened since then. And that's been almost 20 years. And like you can have fundamental change with how you play a game with like the Wii. But we saw that that didn't really have the staying power. That was kind of more of just like a gimmick Mm -hmm. playing with the Wii. It brought a lot of new people into gaming, but um, it didn't stay well. 
when you talk about playing a game in virtual reality and you're using this, the actual, the play space in a way is the space around your head and mm. like leaning does things. So and that's the paradigm basically. Yeah. I mean, imagine like you no longer have to control the camera with your right thumb anymore. Right. Yeah. The camera's your face. Yeah. 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 So I, th it's just, I think it's going to take a, a, a developer to really like figure something out. Right, where it where you you're gonna play it and it's gonna be the killer app where it's like this product ju almost justifies the existence of this helmet, and because of that, like I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. Right, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Wait until it get you get the game that's worth getting the set over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that seems definitely like a like a paradigm shift as far as what I'm wondering is kind of what the average. When we do get some full games out there, sure. Kind of what the average playtime will be, as opposed to the non-encompassed, uh, you know, reality of just playing with like a controller. Yeah. Um, if people will be drawn into playing longer periods of time, shorter periods of time, because it's too claustrophobic or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it could be heavy on your head. And yeah, like I can imagine claustrophobia actually being a pretty big thing. Uh, standing in the way of it being like a widespread success because people get kind of freaked out a little easily, you know? Yeah, you got this fucking thing strapped to your face. <laughs> yeah, dude. But I mean, I'm sure in future generations, it's going to actually be really much more sleek, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is Gen 1, and that's the thing. is like We're going to be laughing at it like yeah, in 10 years. Like, look how clunky it is. We're figuring it out right now. And, yeah. and what has always kind of made me actually think that this is going to happen and this is going to be a thing from now on is you see some of the biggest names in the industry like Shuhei Yoshida, developers like Cliff Blazinski, um, Martin O'Donnell who did the soundtrack to Halo, his the studio he founded is doing a VR game. There's so many huge people in the industry who are like this is incredible and I want to make games for it. Even not in the industry, I mean hell, Facebook threw down 2 billion for Oculus. Yeah, I and mean, I mean Jesus. And so yeah, when it comes to the, the larger VR conversation, I actually think what's going to make VR success isn't video games. I I know video games will be a part of VR, but mm -hmm. it's going to be entertainment. It's experience gonna be, based kind yeah. of stuff. And dude, we're going to come to fucking hate that word. I guarantee it. What? Experience. Everything uh, like the first year of VR marketing <laughs> is just going to be something something experience. <laughs> I just wait. We're going to hate the it. Experience. You are now a Pigeon. <laughs> Try the pigeon experience. Guys, have you played the pigeon demo? <laughs> I've been pooping on people for hours. That would be one of the best games. All right. I think we can go ahead and sum up that one and move on. Cool. Yeah. All right. So this this last week um, was GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. Okay. And it's basically a conference for game developers to come together and they give panels and they give talks and lectures to each other. Um, sometimes you have news coming out of there, but it's not really like a place for consumers to get a lot of uh, like product news. It's right. where PlayStation did their uh, VR announcement, but you'd kind of see hardware announcements okay. at a thing like this. Okay. Anyway, um, Microsoft apparently got into a bit of some PR trouble here. This oh, last week. Wow, was, that doesn't I, surprise me kind of. Okay. <laughs> I want to see what you uh what you think about this. So okay. the this comes from a website called ITV and the the name of the story is Microsoft apologizes for quote sexy dancers, end quote, at tech event. <laughs> 
and it reads, sucks we have to apologize for that uh, well i want to get your take on this so microsoft uh it reads microsoft has apologized after it hosted a tech event featuring podium dancers wearing sexy schoolgirl style outfits Oof. female developers expressed their anger at being greeted by the scantily clad dancers at a conference party in san francisco many said it sent an inappropriate message for an industry which is already heavily dominated by men and it shows some pictures of the ladies, and here you can see right here actually. Okay. They're basically they're, <laughs> strippers. <laughs> yeah, they they got skirts on and bras, and that's basically it. Wow. Yeah, they they didn't leave much of the imagination. No, they did not. And so we have a few um, we got a few tweets here from people who were in the the games industry who saw a couple of the women who were um, upset. One says, "Microsoft sponsors a woman in games launch uh, lunch and awards, but then has scantily clad women dancers at the GDC party." NVIDIA does similar. Um, then our industry treats women terribly, and when Microsoft has a frat house atmosphere, it's just reinforcing <laughs> some very damaging standards. <laughs> frat house atmosphere. Um, then we get a response from Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, and I'll just read a little bit of the quote here. He, okay. he did a long post, but this is just a little uh, excerpt from it. Okay. So starting off here, it says, quote, it's, fortunate, uh, <laughs> it's, for, it's unfortunate that such events could take place in a week where we work so hard to engage the many different gaming communities in the exact opposite way. I am personally committed to ensuring that diversity and inclusion is central to our everyday business and our core values as a team inside and outside the company. We need to hold ourselves to higher standards and we will do better in the future. Phil Spencer, end quote. So yeah, I just want to get your thoughts about that. Um, I understand sort of, uh, I mean, the whole thing is, is like, why do you need it kind of thing? Like, what is it really doing other than just doing it for the notion of sex sells almost, right? Yeah. Um, and it, okay. I understand why, um, people who are maybe a little bit more sensitive to things like this, like getting offended, I guess, by it Uh at the same time, it seems like something that I would have to be convinced that it's a bad thing. Right. Like I wouldn't originally see chicks in the, these outfits at some sort of convention and be like, this is effed up, you know? <laughs> so like that wouldn't be my first reaction. But like if somebody else had that reaction and told me genuinely why it is and that really bothered them, like I would think that's a legitimate thing. Um, well, are you saying like that their reasons just didn't resonate with you? Because I, I think the main argument here is basically like. The game industry has a problem with, uh, especially gender diversity. It is a male-dominated industry, and it, that's just because of its roots. And there's been a real big push on creating a more welcoming place for women in the industry. Yeah, um, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, there's still all sorts of things that women uh, do. Like, sexual empowerment is like just as much of a feminist thing as it is, like... You know what I mean? So like they're they're uh, some of I'm sure females like favorite characters are like scantily clad players. Yeah. You know, and they'll go to comic cons and wear like slutty outfits, but they're part of the they're a part of the world that they're, they're, they're representing. Part, they're or a part of like the cosplay community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically like well dressed scantily clad. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying that that like makes it okay. And I and I do think that there is you know that environment that still exists the the sort of patriarchal setup. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I don't. I think that the matter with that is more content as opposed to uh, like promotion surrounding it, like these girls or whatever. Yeah. So um, I, I think that there's validity in the in the sort of reason to be upset. I guess I I don't think that you can completely say like it's they're full of BS. Um, at the same time, I wouldn't have drawn a red flag. I would have been like, this is kind of ridiculous, but like, 
you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, that, I guess. But I mean, I'm trying to do that with a lot of things. I'm trying not to <laughs> let a lot of things worry me, especially girls and bras. Sure. I understand. I mean, the industry had a problem, especially in the very beginning where it's trade shows there. They were, they were called booth babes and it was just you would hire the hottest models to come basically be half naked at your place uh-huh. to get people to to get all these nerdy dudes to come <laughs> to your booth. Right. <laughs> but when it's especially when it's an event where it's like a a game award lunch that Microsoft was hosting that they kind of like invited people to. Yeah. It's, it's a little, it's a little inappropriate. I mean, yeah, yeah it's... I'm right there with you though. I mean, I think I don't like when it comes to arguing feminism, I am so often confused by how feminists can take both sides of the argument. It's uh, crazy. dude. There is a crazy duality to feminism. <laughs> yes. That I don't understand. And, I I would love to understand it, you know. Like I would be more you than won't. happy to. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to have a, a female on who like would want to give us some more insight into it. But I just wanted to see what you had to say um, about the situation because it was just something that happened. Yeah, what usually sucks is whenever I try and like, uh, you know, see where they're coming from and try and vibe with what what they're saying in regards to like you know maybe feminist efforts and stuff. I'm usually always on board, but I feel like. Every time I sort of try and get an understanding about like general women, I always fail. <laughs> so I just don't generalize women anymore, but I don't know anything because of that. You know, right. I mean? like, there's no labeling that happens when you can't generalize. So, yeah, it's cool. I'm just in no man's land. Well, we'll go ahead and move on to the next story. Before we do, I forgot to say what the release window was for the PlayStation VR. It's coming out in October of this year. Oh, OK. So that's when the PlayStation VR will come to market. HDB day. Exactly. Let's man. do that. It's doing it just for you. All right, our next story comes from Reuters.com, and the title is Facebook's Zuckerberg Meets Propaganda Czar in China, Charm Drive, by Matthew Miller. Propaganda Czar. That is a band name. That is a band name. That's also a position in the Chinese government. That's pretty crazy. All right, Facebook's co-founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg met China's propaganda czar, uh, Liu Yunshan, Yunshan, God, just, dude. What's fine? Yeah, roll through it. <laughs> just roll with it. In Beijing on Saturday as part of a charm offensive in one of the few markets where the social network cannot be accessed. The rare meeting reported by China's state news agency Xinhua suggests warming relations between Facebook and the Chinese government, even as Beijing steps up censorship over of and control over the Internet. And I'll just read a few more about this, but I just wanted to get your general thoughts, um, as we normally do on on Woody Banner. (laughs) Uh, Liu, who sits in the Communist Party's Politburo Standing Committee, which is the apex of power in China, praised Facebook's technology and management methods. Zuckerberg was in Beijing for the China Development Forum, a government-sponsored conference bringing together top business executives in the country's ruling elite. It says China, quote, hopes Facebook can strengthen exchanges, share experiences, improve mutual understanding with China's internet companies in quote um yeah so it looks like facebook is going over to china as a as a means to try to get into the country yeah get a foot in the door uh interesting um this kind of also reminds me of uh, an episode where we were talking about microsoft and them trying to like go into the Chinese government because uh-huh. there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any presence in there for the PS2 or for the PlayStations or, you know, the yeah, Xboxes. they had just released their ban on yeah. external consoles. What I mean, I just it's hard to even know, like, because I, I've never been there and I don't know a whole lot about China or Dude. the Chinese government. So, like, it surprises me that it kind of surprised me that there wasn't a Facebook, but then I'm also not surprised. 
Um, I'm sure that there's like an equivalent to Facebook over there that they have. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, like you're you're aware of how censored their fucking internet is, right? Well, I mean, yes, but not to the extent. No, I don't actually. I couldn't give you details on like what they can and can't not. View I probably couldn't and, either. What I what I can say is that it's heavily locked down. Yeah, like, which is so much different than the internet that we know. So I mean, yeah, one, Facebook's not allowed to be there. Two, there was something that happened about a year ago where uh, like you're not allowed to look at pictures of Tiananmen Square. Like if you are in China, Tiananmen Square doesn't exist, essentially. <laughs> what? Yeah, like that never happened. Like it, you can't find any information about online. They That's they so hide crazy. it all. Easy. So what they started doing, what these people started doing, is they took the picture of the man standing in front of the tank, and instead of a tank, they photoshopped a rubber ducky. And so out of nowhere, you get all these pictures of this man standing up to a rubber ducky, oh and it became God. like this cultural meme for a moment to put like rubber ducks everywhere and like. <laughs> So it, it, I don't know, I don't know the breadth of censorship either. I just know it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you you see Mark Zuckerberg now trying to work with the Chinese government to get Facebook into China and still tiptoe around their laws. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, you wonder. Should we even be doing that? I mean, like, should we be well, rewarding them? Are we rewarding them? I don't. Th- I mean, but that's the thing is, it's like it's not about a, a reward system because it's not coming like. Zuckerberg isn't going on behalf of any sort of American, you know, bias. Like, he's going on behalf of his company. And I think, I mean, I would imagine that this would actually make a lot of people that are, you know, maybe in American politics and, uh, you know, in, in, like, the American sort of economy, like, be like, whoa, that's kind of a crazy move, right? Because there are there is such, like, a uneasy tension between the American and uh, Chinese ways of life and government in general, mm-hmm. like the way that we see things. So the fact that he's doing this is pretty ballsy in my opinion. And um, I mean, I guess what he's, un- what he's getting to is just that it's an incredibly untapped market because of all the regulations around and all of the, yeah, uh, I mean, it's literally BS. untapped. Like, I know, but it's like, either. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's rubber ducky tapped. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, that's, but it's a huge market. I mean, it's billions of people, billions of people. So, um, if they if they could manage to do that, you know why not try? Sure. So I, I think it's definitely it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like fallout like a like a isn't drawback. It, isn't from it trying odd to do that it. he's meeting with not the czar of like technological internet infrastructure or whatever? I don't know what their czars of are. Propaganda. He's meeting with the czar of propaganda. Is that literally the guy's title? I mean, yeah. Because like, what are the people who are like? The people who are like, yeah, here, we want this guy to be the propaganda meister, oh, you know, like elections don't exist over there. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's, I know. Again, that's so crazy. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think that um, it doesn't seem like there would be a whole lot of drawback from at least trying. You know, I mean, why not? Uh, what I what I do think would be interesting is to see if they're gonna have to come up with some sort of like alternate version of Facebook for China for them yeah. to be able to get by and do kind of the things that they need to do. Well, I know it's. Facebook has got a pretty big presence now in India and just taking even a step back from this news story and just talking about Facebook in general, like I'm starting to think that Facebook seriously might be here for like the next 50 years. You know? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Man. I, like it is it's so standard. It is so ingrained in like everyday social communication and like it is constantly evolving. You know, yeah. we used, there were moments where you would have big overhauls and the layouts of the homepages would change and things and people will be up in arms. They're like, bring back the old way. Yeah. A thousand <laughs> likes says yes or whatever. <laughs> and it just keeps going. And now it's getting to the point where like, I can't even tell when it's changing. I just know that 
Something my different. experience on Facebook is different than it was a year ago, two years ago, six years ago. Yeah. So it's it feels like an institution, man. Dude, and if I know, if I know, or I, I don't know, but I mean, if I were to guess, I would say that one of the biggest things that Mark Zuckerberg could use in swaying the Chinese government is the fact of how much infor- information he's collecting from people. Yeah. Just by purely being on Facebook, he's like, look, you want to know about your people? Let them get on Facebook, and they'll tell you everything you want to know. You know what I mean? See, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, is there some sort of, like, moral imperative there about that? Like, Probably. Yeah. Somewhere, Who knows, somewhere to find. I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to be clandestine either way. Like, yeah. it's not like Facebook's going to let you know that that's what their agenda is. But sure. Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, let's move on to the final story here. Um, I kind of brought this story up just because it's been going on for a, a couple weeks now, and I just wanted to get your general thoughts and opinion on it because I think this is something that a lot of people will have an opinion on and I'm not here to stoke the fires or create like anything that's okay that's what I do okay all right. <laughs> I'm here we'll to poke to the flame poke the bear this comes from Reuters again written, written by a guy named Dustin Voltz it says US prosecutors Apple to bring witnesses to hearing on locked iPhone it says and it reads the US government and Apple Incorporated will be able to cross-examine the other's witnesses in a court hearing next week on whether the technology company must help federal investigators unlock an encrypted iPhone tied to one of the San Bernardino killers, Apple said. The hearing, set for Tuesday, is the latest development in a showdown between Apple and the government that has become a lightning rod in the national debate over digital privacy and what kind of data on phones and personal devices should be accessible to law enforcement. All the witnesses have given written declarations in the legal briefs already filed in the case, said an Apple lawyer who spoke to reporters on a conference call on Friday, on condition of anonymity. anonymity. Yeah. The attorney said the government made a request late on Wednesday for witnesses who work at Apple uh, who could discuss technology. The The story goes on from there, but basically the news is that the case is going forward. We are actually having a court case between Apple and the government about whether or not they should be unlocking this iPhone for uh, this terrorist guy. Yeah, and just like further background, if you don't know the details about this story. If you've been living under a rock. <laughs> some kind of a rock. Listen, he did doofus. Like Patrick Starr. Yeah, we appreciate that you like Woody Banta, but get outside. <laughs> Eat some food, get some drinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, the thing about this is, the thing that really makes this interesting is the fact that the government needs this guy's in their opinion, the FBI wants to have information that is pos- plausibly within this uh, this shooter's phone because they think that it could be helpful going forward in like um, you know the investigation surrounding sort of the San Bernardino shootings. Uh, but Apple would have to create a software that doesn't exist, which is a quote unquote backdoor into the iPhone. It would basically um, all of the security surrounding the phone, which is like if you enter the code 10 times and fail and it's not the right code, then it'll just erase all the memory. It basically bypassed that. And so what what Apple is concerned most with is the security of all of their users and whether or not making such a software, even the existence at all, despite whose hands it is in, uh, whether or not that will put every single iPhone user at risk, and if it'll, you know, create a precedent for the government to just come in and kick down the door of some company and say, "Hey, we need you to do this for us because blah blah blah," yeah. which isn't, you know, in my opinion, it's isn't a scary a, precedent. Yeah, it's not a good precedent. That's just, I mean, that's my opinion as well. So the, I, 
it was crazy. I was watching John Oliver, who is does fucking great work. I he is, really he's respect a fantastic journalist. Yeah, he really is. He's really like taken sort of the place of Colbert, in my opinion. I, but well. I think but it's it, even more pressing. I think it's ways further than both John Stewart and Colbert ever did. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is as direct as anyone ever has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and so on his show, it's it's showing these meetings of people in office, very older um, statesmen. Mm-hmm. Who you can tell, you know, they're 65 to 70 years old. They do not understand technology. And that's not to say that I do, but they're up there on the on their podiums and they're like, I just don't understand how you can't get this information. And it's just like a clear (laughs) disconnect where like it's unfathomable to them that this information on the phone could not be accessible. You know, like you made the phone. Give me the goddamn info. Yeah. And I do want to say that undoubtedly, I think there's a pretty solid 90% chance that if we had information on this guy's phone, we could fucking find terrorists out there because he was had to have been planning this with people. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sucks that we can't get it. All I know is that precedent that it, cre- it creates and the fact that, dude, the world isn't as clean cut and as shiny as we probably think it is. And I would be scared that the person the team i don't care who you choose in the company i don't care if it's one dude and it's he's at the top or if it's 10 dudes who are at kind of the close to the top you never know in the back of that guy's mind if he said i could put this on a floppy disk somehow mm-hmm. and i could sell this for billions of dollars to somebody on the black market and i could be set for the rest of my life yeah and it 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 sounds like look just the government will take care of it and then we'll destroy the program, and it'll be it'll never get out of our hands. Yeah, it but sounds open and shut, but it's not. You it know, I be. just I really think the second it exists, and the second that everyone in the world knows it exists, it's then a target, and right. it's like we got to get that. Yeah, you know, and I so that's just where I stand with it, I guess. And not to say that I wanted to come on here and like put my opinion in stone and yeah. lay my flag down, <laughs> yeah. but I just wanted to have we you know we didn't get to really ever have it as open to dialogue about it. So I wanted to hear your opinions and thoughts as well. Yeah, I asked about I asked what your opinions were on this and uh, a few weeks back, and I guess I haven't really been brewing over the the notion very much. What I my initial thought is that I don't think this guy is gonna have that much information. You know, that's going to be documented in this phone because I, I, I figured that he would if he knew that this was going to happen, he probably took, you know, more careful steps maybe and just had it word of mouth. Yeah. But I mean, even if even if they weren't, I side on the notion that the government shouldn't be able to sort of kick down the door because of a possibility you know, like yeah. they're like, we think that there might be something here. Well, I, well, I love that when we do go, we talk with the government. <laughs> we just talk like because they are the next, old sixty-five-year-old conservative <laughs> motherfucking guys. But um, I, I think that it's it's sort of like you know how you we have the notion of federalism, which is like the difference between national, like the uh, federal rights and the states' rights. Now it's coming down to like the government's rights versus companies' rights. And I, and I think that's one of the biggest things uh, that's interesting here is like when you have the government, which has like the NSA and the amount of data and information that they have on all of their constituents is unfathomable. But then we also have Apple where all of our personal lives have been inputted and, and, and you know, stored on this phone. 
that they have all their security based around. And so you almost like you're almost like wondering who's more powerful in that instance. Like who has the right or it's like who's really looking out for the people and more you know like well it feels like apple is in this case yeah and that's what really blew my mind about this and then there was a tweet from edward snowden who who like he puts it pretty succinctly and it says it's pretty incredible that at this point it is now a company that has to stand up to the government and not the government who is standing up yeah for the people you know yeah and like that is a little mind-blowing a little crazy yeah. you know and anyway it really, it, I mean, and it's really surprising too, because you'd almost imagine at that level, with so much, I mean, overlap of of information that they have, all all of the all of the data that Apple has on us, all of the data that uh, that the government has on us, you would think that they'd be kind of in closer cahoots, and that there wouldn't be this sort of crazy public falling well, yeah, out. Yeah, and we saw like rhetoric in the debates where it talked about like inviting these tech companies into the government and like help having them work together and we've just saw that crumble right in front of our faces you know like yeah. this is not how you work together with somebody and like it used to be the case that um being a part of the like working like if you got to work for nasa or something like mm -hmm. how much pride you would have to like or like when we were building like the hoover dam and stuff back then and like there were like projects where working for the government probably felt like really cool and like yeah patriotic and now it just it, it just feels as slimy like yeah rubbery it, and it's, it's weird yeah i agree but i mean ultimately yeah i think that's kind of how i look at it i don't i don't think that just a mere speculation should warrant the government's ability to be able to create a software out of thin air which could possibly i mean whether they think that it's a secure exchange between the the FBI and Apple on this sort of software or not really isn't the the matter. I mean, the matter is is that if you make them make something like this that potentially would put this phone and the rest of the other phones at risk, then that sets a pre precedent, and that's going to be expected for every future shooting, public shooting. Every future, you know, possible crisis, they're going to be asking to do the same thing. And oh, yeah. And what was crazy is watching that um, John Oliver thing was all of these local uh, governments who were basically saying, like, putting up phones of their own that they wanted to get into, pressuring, like, siding with the government and their reasons being we have all these phones that we need to get into to start. And it, you were just watching people line up to use exactly yeah. what they said is only going to be used once. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's put a pin in it there. That's a fun conversation. We uh, we had a little longer of a news segment there, and I think it's because we were fucking anxious to get back. This is probably yeah. going to be a longer episode than usual. Fine by me. Um, but it was fun to, man, Woody Banter's back, baby. We're rolling and it's happening and trolling. Now we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we'll uh, talk about this beer a little bit. Alright, This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. And And God, just, that's, <laughs> I'm gonna be doing it in my sleep now. Alright. Hunter, we've had some time to kind of stew on this beer. Stewing it up. I want to know uh, what your thoughts are. So, like we said earlier, it's a very light beer. I almost, it's like, 
I'm, I would be tempted if you didn't, if you told me just to like put a genre on this beer, I would probably not say IPA. Really? Because it's so light and it doesn't have like an incredible bitterness or a kick from the uh, from the seven percent alcohol. Yeah, I would almost like be closer to say it's like a pale ale as opposed to IPA. Almost um, like a hoppy pale ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, very sessionable, very uh, light. It again, we, like it doesn't hang around in your mouth uh, too much, and um, I think it, it just goes down really easily. So um, I enjoy it, man. I think I think this is like what I was shooting for in and trying to get our today's beer. Yeah, it almost has there's a citrus in there somewhere. And I don't want to say grapefruit cuz grapefruit is a very specific flavor that a lot of beers actually try to market as This is tropical fruit and pl- and pine flavors. So. Okay. Well, I really get that tropical fl- fruit in the in the smell. Uh I, I, you put your nose in this beer and it it just smells citrusy, you yeah. know, and it it's it's good and and it's wild to me. It hangs around on your on your palate a little bit. You know, it's not like super quick finish, but it's also it doesn't hang around for too long. And that bitterness is really um, reserved. You know, it, mm-hmm. it only has like a half, a little more than half bitterness scale, as they as they say for themselves. But um, that pininess is what comes through uh, at the end for me. And I just find it incredibly drinkable. And the fact that the can looks fucking dope. I'm I'm a sucker for aesthetics because I. I know that somebody designed that can in Photoshop. And it's that's... burnt orange, so they're clearly playing to our Longhorn uh, senses. Hey, they're from they're from Austin. They man. know what's up, man. So I can totally see myself, you know, picking this up as the six pack of choice for a while. Oh like, yeah, coming up, you know. Oh yeah. So yeah, they're doing good stuff, man. Way to go, Zilker. Now let's move on. Um, so Woody Banter, if you're just your first time listener, basically we do the news, then we come back, we talk about the beer, and we'll do a segment. And these segments change from show to show we have a grab bag of them and we like to switch them up um, oh, yeah. time and again so we're going to move on to our segment today and today's segment is going to be get to know your banners oh hey my name is <laughs> hey oh, no, you, oh, no you go my first. bad what, have what's I your seen favorite you? um i'm Wait, sorry you what think? was that get to, to know, know your banners the old standby yeah get, a, get to know your banners was one of the one of the first ones we're bringing it back today because we haven't been on the microphones in maybe like seven months eight months for this for this effort no yeah it's been probably since last august so yeah about eight months it's been a while and that's quite a gap of time and it's been a very important transition in our lives so i figured we should catch up with the audience let them know what we've been up to man so you're in the working world now what's <laughs> yeah. going on man yeah 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 so uh as we stated earlier, I do accounting, and I'm an auditor, and uh, I work I work for one of the big four um, global accounting firms that deals with all the major public companies that are on like all the stock exchanges and stuff. So we audit them, we look at their financial statements, and we make sure that uh, you know things are on the up and up. That you they're know, not lying, basically. When we started the show, you were in the process of getting into the master's program, then you were in the master's program, then you took your CPA and now uh-huh. you are here. So, yeah. what do you think has been the biggest difference um, in your perception of what your job would was going to be when you first started? Because I remember you were excited about the fact that your role is like you're kind of a gatekeeper on the economy in a lot of ways, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you were excited about that and now you're doing it. So has there been like a sort of what's what's been the differences, you know, and, and what have you kind of learned and how what's your outlook on it now? Yeah, I think uh, what's surprising is 
kind of alluding to what you said earlier that the world's not as shiny and polished as as you know we would think it would be. I guess coming out of the college realm, you think of you think of things in sort of fundamentals, and you think of things uh, more theoretically because that's really all that you have experience to. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing that's sort of strange is how you sort of have to just make two and two equal four sometimes. Like you have to just like even when you don't have the sort of um, the things that you need or there will be kind of a bump in the road. It's just like you got to figure it out and there's not really like a given answer um, and things aren't necessarily as easy as you think they'd be. I mean, a lot of times like I would understand how everything ideally would work and then whenever it plays out in real time and you're watching people struggle and go through things that are, you know, that are difficult and that suck, you're like, wow, okay, well, like, they're just, you know, there's not, like, a, a perfect answer. It's not, like, a, sh- a shiny bow that you're putting on top of this <laughs> yeah. thing. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. It's a shit ribbon. Yeah, yeah. The biggest the, the biggest thing is just, uh, and, and the, what's interesting is that my ha- has sort of a more tightly knit bow on it in that it, things are very professional where I work and very well sort of regimented it's more so than like most industry jobs that I mean dude it's a incredibly complex company that is many hundreds of employees that's oh, yeah, been many around thousands, many, thousands. many thousands that's been around for such a long time that they know what works you know and it's a fucking well greased machine yeah, yeah I yeah. can imagine uh, I really enjoy uh, the, the company I work for and uh, I guess just the way that they handle their affairs I really sort of uh, appreciate the way that they handle their business and uh, the way they treat me as a professional I think there's a lot of great uh, opportunities for growth um, I haven't been as, um, like, I guess forthcoming in trying to pursue, uh, opportunities for growth maybe as I yeah. should. Um, but I think a lot of that also comes from just not really knowing the general layout of how things are. Yeah. And there's wanna, a lot to take in. You sure. Know? Like it's going to take some time for that confidence to build up and, yeah. and what's going to build that confidence is your actual skills. You know, like I, did my best when I first started working at Hellfire Games to like not really speak up in meetings because you don't want to say something stupid right, by yeah. the virtue of you not knowing what you're saying, you know. So and you want people to want you to speak, you know. Yeah, you don't want to just too. like force yourself to be speaking because you think you, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. You want people to value what you have to say. So right, it, I think it, it's important to kind of get in that listening mode at least at the start. Cool. Um, so you're then, in Houston now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've been coming up back to Austin to work with your band with Blake. You're still in Casual Interference. I am. Yes, and that's uh, been going pretty well. Yeah. So since since the uh, since the show has been on a hiatus since August, I guess um, since then I moved from being sort of just like the keyboardist and like harmony maker to now I'm sort of closer to a frontman. Now I'm singing and. Uh, I'm just trying to fill in the space, whatever space needs to be filled. I'm just trying to do that yeah. alongside the singing. Um, and so I've been taking that a lot more seriously. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, I didn't even start up with, with casual interference as a very, you know, deliberate effort until la- not this most recent January, but the year before. So I guess it's been about uh, 14 months that I've been on board. Yeah. And... Um, how much I identify with it by now, you know, like I'm in a band. You feel ownership. Yeah, I'm a singer in a band, and I we have a lot of material uh, to sift through, and we're 
working on creating a set list that'll be impactful when we perform it live and uh you know creating that sort of special sauce that is more than just us playing the notes on mm-hmm. the right time it's about actually like putting ourselves into yeah. and 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 then when you have four individuals that are all actually putting themselves into the music it's always going to be different right like between the different members of different bands that's what makes bands cool is that they have their own unique sound so uh we've been trying to formulate that and trying to get that going we have ambitions to start doing uh gigs in um places all around texas so san antonio houston austin maybe even dallas um and we're trying to get that going man yeah eventually we'll, we'll we'll try and record something maybe like an ep um once we have everything nailed down but that's definitely sort of it. Work and that have been the two biggest sort of focal points since since we got off since we got off last time. Sure. Well, we're all looking forward to it, man. And yeah, go check out Casual Interference on Facebook and on uh, Bandcamp as well, right? Or SoundCloud. Yeah, Chase just uh, produced some and edited some videos that we just dropped on YouTube the Damn other day. Damn straight. So, YouTube.com. Uh, go to search Casual Interference and check out their live recordings at uh, the Recording T- Conservatory. Yeah, TRCOA, the Recording Conservatory of Austin. Yeah, that was fun. Go check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in, in, in my time, I think I had talked about on the show that I had started as an intern at um, a video game developer called Hellfire Games. In mm-hmm. December, I got hired on full time as an associate producer, and so I've been there since then. Um, and we're working on releasing a game pretty soon, which has been pretty cool. You know, I, I've learned so much about development just by having to do it mm-hmm. and seeing it. So it's been, it's been really cool. And I'm, there just seems like a million different directions, the career path could go at this point, which is really exciting. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And even just this week when I was at, um, the gaming convention, I went to a panel and one of the guys like introduced himself as the executive producer of the studio or whatever. And so I made a point to go talk to him after, the panel and be like, all right, man, like I've been three months being an associate. Like I need every advice you can give me. And I've been reaching out to people like on Twitter almost all the time or you've always been very good about that. Yeah. I mean, I try to get my face in front of people yeah. and like I reach out to people on Twitter or like when they come through on streams that I watch, I always try to tip with a question and ask. So mm-hmm. about advice. So well, yeah, man, um, it'll the end of this year. I can't wait to see what has happened. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think what has happened is going to highly dictate what's happening next. Well, I think it's just really cool. I mean, that the actual reality of sort of what you've been telling me about your role in the company, it seems like there are sort of these figures in the company that sort of are almost, I imagine, as blocks, you know, that are doing these things that are sort of specific. But it seems like you're kind of the glue that's keeping it all together, right? You're, that's you're, what the, yeah, the producer's supposed to just be the fucking oil that makes the engine run. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you're, you're kind of just taking care of, you're taking care of all sorts of different facets that, that are both content related into the game uh-huh. and uh, that go into the release and how it, you know, gets in front of the customer and, and all those sorts of things. So I think that's like undoubtedly great experience. Yeah. The it, experience you're getting is, is tenfold, you know, what you could ask. For. And I never really realized that a producer was what I needed to be until pretty recently. But when you think about it as this like multifaceted role that is multidisciplinary, yeah. that has always been like what I've 
You want to be a renaissance gamer, man. I mean, fuck, dude. Like, as a liberal (laughs) arts major, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. International relations describes itself as a multidisciplinary um, education track. Yeah, yeah. And it it does play a lot to my strengths, which is, like, organization, scheduling, communication, and leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm just excited to keep going in it. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you're you're building a bright future ahead. So that's yeah. that's always great. Well, it was good catching up. Um, moving forward, we hope to debut some new segments and bring up some ones that are classics as well. Yeah, we'll try and get crafty. You know? We will. We'll 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 We're bring coming you, with the effort now. The the whole point of the show. I mean, in the, in the first half of this show, you're gonna get some. You're gonna learn some stuff. You're gonna learn some news. In the second half of this show. We're going to be funny and goofy, and we're going to have our beers in us by then, and yeah. hopefully give you some entertainment. So even if you just skip on over to the second half, that's fine, man. you'll enjoy it. You will you do whatever you want. You I'll listen tell for you. two minutes. Yeah. I don't care. We'll make you yourself. Yeah, right in the... All right. Uh, normally, this is when we will do listener mail, but obviously, we have been out of um, commission for a while, so we didn't have any mail. Not that... Us. <laughs> Not that we expect mail. Yeah. Listen, we have an email address. It is wittybantershow at gmail.com, and you can email us anything you want, a question, a conversation topic, a piece of news you want us to talk about. We want to hear from you, a criticism on the show, whatever it may be. Um, right now, we just have the website. I'm sorry, the um, the email address to reach us at. Mm-hmm. We're looking at having more channels of communication here pretty soon. That's going to be a part of a big part of the new effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we'll be keeping you updated on what that is. But until then, wittybantershow at gmail.com, we would be infinitely appreciative if you emailed in because you will get to have a direct impact on the show that week. And we, we have no problem tailoring some time from the show to your, your input. Yeah, you know, and I mean, if nothing else, just to hear your name and that we're going to be addressing you directly. I mean, how you want lucky more than of you? Th- do you want more than that? I mean, because come on, can you actually get more than that? <laughs> I uh, think they probably could. Yeah, well, we'll, well see. We'll, we'll, but we'll uh, but out. yeah, no, we 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 definitely appreciate any sort of uh, input that y'all are willing to give, and uh, we maybe maybe we could say that that's going to be. One of the bigger uh, paradigm shifts for the show going forward is, you know, we're actually going to expect some mail from our uh, from our listeners. Yeah, I really want listener participation and um, to be a part of the show, every show. And I really do want to highlight people in the community who are doing things in witty banter in just in our realm, you know, and I I would love to spotlight people who are, you know, even just talking about the beer reviews to us or recommending beers. If you want us to try something that you've had, you know, recommending news stories, comments on news stories that we already did stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Anything. we're down, please. All right. So that means we're going to move to the end of the show and let's go ahead and put a number on these beers. Okay. Well, um, so why don't you get ready to talk? I'm going to explain how we review beers. Um, real quick before we get out of here. Basically we, we use a 10 point or a 100 point scale. Yeah. We use a 100 point scale. Uh, we, we rate things from one to 10, and it can be like a 9.4 or an 8.3. And basically, a 1 is just awful. Zero. Like, a 1 is We've like... We've never given a 1. Yeah. Don't buy this. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> it's like we have an, a vendetta against that at a that point. A 5 is like totally neutral. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. It's a beer that no we opinion, drank. No it's comment. It's a total scrimshaw. Yeah. And then <laughs> a 10 is like, you need to go and buy... This should be the next beer that you drink. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. So, with that being said, what is your score? Okay. So, um... 
I don't. Again, I I don't have a whole lot left to actually like uh, give in regards to the 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 beer itself. Uh, but the number I'm going to assign to this one is a seven point five. Okay. Which uh, you know that might be tough to gauge no, for the listener. Good. So this is what I'll I'll give you. I'll give you a nice um, scene with which I can attach this beer to. This seems like a picnic beer. This seems like a beer hmm. where, for maybe not for you, hmm. I could go outside on a day like today, which is nice, bright, and sunny, yep. and crisp air outside, and I could throw down three or four of these and not think twice about it, Yeah, and I don't think it's going to get me, it would get me, like, delightfully buzzed, sure, yeah, you know? Okay. Like, it's not, I'm not going to get wasted off of this or anything, because it's not, like, super high alcohol content, but, uh, but yeah, I don't have to, I don't, it, it goes down very easy, it is very sessionable. Um, and it doesn't, I, I, I tend to take more to beers that don't hang around in your mouth for very long. Um, and so I think that sort of dry, like, like quick finish is, is, yeah. is preferable if anything. So yeah, this, this gets a good score. It's definitely above average. And, uh, I think the thing that maybe takes back away from it is I, I think this might actually be able to to um, endure a little bit more bitterness, a little bit more hop uh, characteristic. And um, I could even, even though the reason why I sort of like this is because it's not too strong, I could imagine this having a little bit more body to like the, the alcoholic kind of feel for it. I almost like feel like there's not enough of that. So I think that's what maybe draws back for me. But yeah, 7.5. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to probably... I'm gonna give give it a seven point five as well. Um, it just that just feels like a good score for this, and for what this beer, this beer has some complexity to it, in my opinion. Yeah, subtle complexity. It's yeah. it's it it doesn't it finishes pretty quickly. It doesn't hang around your mouth, but even for what that short little flavor profile is, there is the smell is citrusy. Mm-hmm. The taste is sort of um, it's not sweet, but that malt backbone like. It's got a, a maltiness and a fullness to it that I really enjoy. And the hop is that feeling on your tongue where it almost feels furry or sticky is, I think, coming from those oils from the um, from the, the hops. And it, what it's doing is every time I drink it, I'm like, huh. I, I under, like I feel it every time. Yeah. And like I, I kind make of note of it. Yeah. I kind of I kind of like that it's there, you know, mm-hmm. Um it's just got good flavor. The fact that it is so drinkable and it's a seven point seven point oh percent is just a it's plus. Great, it's yeah. a plus in my book. I think the, the I think the fucking presentation of the can is fantastic. That yeah, that's great. Um, if I was gonna put a situation with that, I would say like this would be a good beer for like a bar food kind of dinner where okay. it's like it'll stand up to maybe some bigger flavors. Um, you probably don't want to eat this with like hot wings because it probably can't <laughs> cut through it like some of the more yeah. bitter stuff can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think this would make a good companion for like bar food. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in an outdoor bar watching a game, you know, yeah. whatever you want to do. So yeah. I like it. It's a 7.5. And at this point, we've reviewed a shit ton of beers, man. And we're going to be careful about not double dipping. But I don't think that'll be a problem. No, yeah, man. I've got a pretty good understanding of the ones we've already done. I, I'm still going to have that Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, and I'm sure at this point in time in your professional career, you can make that thing, like, tell us what beers we're going to like now. You know, yeah, like, the shit some, you can do on a spreadsheet. Some substantive analytics. There you go. That's yeah. a word that you could have just made up, and I would have no idea. <laughs> no, man, that's auditor 
good jargon. It's 101 right there. Right there oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that has been episode 55 of Witty Wee Banter, Wee! the return of Witty Banter. Like I said, we don't know how consistent it's going to be in the coming weeks, but the plan is to get this to be a weekly show where we are going to make a push to really grow the audience. We want to include new people in on the show with you who are listening right now. We want it to be just a big, happy, fucking witty banter yes, family. Yes, yes, you know? yes, yes. You're going to come here. Hopefully, you're going to enjoy what feels like you're eavesdropping on a fun conversation. You might learn something. You might hear about beer if you're into it. And if you're not, you can kind of just laugh at how bad we are about talking yeah, about yeah, beer. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, we really want you to be a part of the show. And eventually, when we can, we'll get guests on here. But I know Hunter and I are extremely excited to be behind the microphones again. This had became a pretty big part of our lives and we want it to continue to be that. Yeah. Um, and so it seems like right as of right now, it's not going anywhere yeah. and we're happy to have you back along the, for the ride. And we can't reiterate enough that if you're listening, that we praise the ground you walk upon. Yeah. And seriously, I mean, it's like the fact it's so hard to get anybody to commit their time to anything these days. It really There's is such high opportunity costs with anything you decide to do. So if you give us even a smidgen of your time and we're, you know, sitting in your earbuds, then we are ecstatic. We're over the moon. Yeah. And, and, and the only thing that's going to make it even better is if you contribute, if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to, you know, help, create the direction that we're going in then we are so down and so like invigorated by that notion yeah so, we have nothing do. we have nothing but thank you for your time and we would love to thank you by allowing you to steer the show absolutely know? yeah so that's going to be the end of witty banter episode number 55 let me go and tell you where you can find the show this may end up changing in the future but for now i'll just keep it simple with where we've always been and that is on itunes so if you search for witty banter you should find us you can hit subscribe and all of our download all of our episodes will show up in your download queue for free if you don't have itunes you can just go to our website which is wittybantershow.com and you can download all the episodes there including the ones in our pretty big backlog at this point oh yeah um and of course like us on facebook which is facebook.com slash witty banter podcast and uh we're probably going to start not probably eventually we're going to be a lot more um more engaging on there as well and that can be an avenue for you to participate with the show or get feedback as well absolutely um and we're on twitter it's at shrinkage or fuck at witty banter <laughs> show all right at witty banter show it is You're rusty on the play <laughs> we got multiple shows now man yeah got a lot of shit going on yeah 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 um so we're on Twitter. We're not we're not using Twitter right now, but Twitter will be a part of our overall strategy coming up here pretty soon. But for myself, for Hunter, thank you so much for listening, and we are super excited to have you back on the train with us as we go forward in the future and build a fucking empire that's going to control the goddamn world. A witty banner nation. It, seriously. Bit up, bit up, bit up, bit up, bit up, Goodbye. Mama. Pretty banter. <laughs>